Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to Christ Church at Grow Farm Sermon Podcast. As we enter into Holy Week, we will be hearing messages from our Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday services. If you would like more information about Christ Church at Grow Farm, or would like to connect with our pastors, staff, or ministry leaders, I would encourage you to visit our website, ccgf.org. Enjoy the messages from this week. Grace and peace to you. The fourth word today comes from Mark, chapter 15, verses 33 and 34. It says this, At noon darkness came over the whole land, until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When I was a junior in college, I was an intern at the Kentucky Reptile Zoo. While I was working there, a three-foot alligator bit me on the hand. And when that three-foot alligator bit me on the hand, I turned to him and I said, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? Because it hurt. Because I was mad. And because in this case, I had made a dumb mistake that allowed for that to happen. It was a question, but it wasn't scientific. It was an exclamation and a natural result of the pain of that moment when I yelled at that alligator. Well, here in the fourth word, Jesus calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what do we make of this cry? What do we make of Jesus' words here on the cross? Well, I would put forward that this was first and foremost a cry of passion. This is a cry that is from the Greek word boal. And to give you a sense of this word and how passionate and how full this exclamation is, we'll look at other places where we see it used. This same word, boal, is used by the blind man who won't be silenced in Luke chapter 18 until he gets his healing from Jesus crying out with his whole self, desperate to receive the one thing he believes that he needs the most. It's the word used for the man begging Jesus to heal his son in Luke chapter 9. And it's the voice calling out in the wilderness, who we know to be John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. This is an emphatic and a passionate cry. This is a cry of one's whole self. Because Jesus is suffering. In this moment, the agony overtakes him. In this moment, he is suffering. And we know that he is suffering physically. You'll notice in the account of the crucifixion that Jesus was not on the cross for a terribly long amount of time in the scale of crucifixion. People could hang there for days, and yet Jesus was up there for six hours. Well, I would put forward one of the reasons that's the case is because he'd already endured so many opportunities to die. He had been beaten heavily. He had been flogged and flayed till his skin was laid open. 
He had been spit upon. He'd had a crown of thorns placed on his head. And then, after all of that, he was hung up on the cross to receive one of the worst executions devised by man. And so in that moment, physically, he cries out, Why have you forsaken me, God? Jesus was suffering psychologically. You see, this isn't like an execution that happens in private with maybe a few onlookers, as quick and painless of a death as you can give to a guilty person. This was meant to be a message. This death was not just meant to kill, it was meant to bring shame on the person who had brought themselves to such a low place as to be crucified by the Roman Empire, the great Roman Empire. This was meant to be something that serves as a deterrent. If you cross the Roman Empire, this is what happens to you. This is a psychological form of punishment as well. And Jesus was fully human. So he experienced everything that any other person going through this would experience. Most of his followers had fled. People he'd said, come to me and I will make you fishers of men. People who he'd said, your sins are forgiven, now scattered like rats off a sinking ship. His mother was present for his execution. He was suffering. Jesus was also suffering spiritually. He was experiencing the full weight of human sin. I think one of the places we experience guilt in our life very acutely is as a small child. If someone that we love and respect corrects us strongly, we experience a feeling of shame. You can watch a little kid almost shrink in on themselves when they feel that guilt. Well, as acutely as we have ever experienced guilt, that's only ever one person's guilt. Jesus took on the sins of the world and endured that agony while also suffering physically, while also suffering psychologically. And in this cry of passion that we have from Jesus, in this moment of suffering, believe it or not, even still, there are layers we have a really rich moment here, as terrible as it is. There's more going on here than just human suffering, because this cry was also brought on by a new and terrible experience for him, separation from the Father. There is a painting in the gallery. If you had the opportunity to walk through, I hope you have. If not, please don't leave without getting that opportunity, or take advantage tomorrow or Sunday. But it's a painting of God's holy temple, bathed in radiant light, pure and perfect, overlooking Christ, shrouded in darkness on the cross. A simple form. It is the Lord standing in judgment, and between them there is a chasm, and what appears to be a raging river. And for the first time, God the Father and God the Son were separated. Jesus experienced for the first time what we all experience in our sin. Isaiah 59.2 describes it this way. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Even three words ago in this service, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And now for the only time we have recorded in scripture, he calls him my God. Because there is separation. Because there is a distance as the Holy One looks away, 
from his beloved child. Now, the interesting second layer that's happening here is Jesus is actually quoting Scripture. Jesus is quoting Psalm chapter 22, which is what they call a messianic psalm, a psalm that points to the promises of what the Messiah would do and who the Messiah would be. And I think the first thing we can take away from this is how steeped in the word that Jesus must have been. Because in a moment of agony, in a moment of pain like this, the natural reaction was scripture. How great a challenge is that for us, that in moments of difficulty is the first thing from us, scripture. I don't think Jesus had a meeting with the disciples about what he should say on the cross. I don't think there was a strategic communication plan laid out for what his words would be. I think he was hanging there. And his only comfort as he experienced the separation was the word of God. We can see how Jesus is doing the work of the Messiah on the cross, even in this moment of torment. Because Jesus was fulfilling things like verse 6 of Psalm 22, which says he was scorned by everyone and despised by the people. We can see Jesus fulfilling the words of verse 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. And maybe, just maybe, we can even see Jesus declaring the hope of the resurrection as he is suffering and dying on the cross. Because at the end of Psalm chapter 22, the last 10 verses are an exclamation of trust and even of praise to God in the midst of the suffering of one who says that his heart is melting and his bones are out of joint. And you may think that's a stretch, and it's possible. But an interesting thing about the Psalms in those days was that they didn't have numbers. They would not have known this as Psalm 22. Psalms were most commonly referred to by their first line. In the same way that we might know the song, Come Thou Fount by its first line, or the song Amazing Grace. And so it's not a stretch to think that Jesus, in calling to mind the very first words of Psalm 22, might even in that terrible moment be holding out the hope of what he knew with confidence God would do in raising him from the dead. But let's not miss the forest for the trees. Let's not diminish the intensity of this moment, even as we see that small glimmer of hope. Jesus was suffering. This was a moment of anguish, a unique and terrible moment of separation from his heavenly Father. And this question that Jesus asked was rhetorical. It was not like he was going to launch a theological inquiry. He was not curious about what God was up to while he was being crucified. Jesus was simply suffering, and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? An exclamation of pain. A terrible exclamation. And while this question is rhetorical, I think it's still appropriate for us to answer that question today. It was him or you. It was him or me. It was him or us. Either 
Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or we say that for eternity. And so because Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We no longer have to, and we never will. Let's pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, who by your death upon the cross bore the sin of the world, the pain of our lostness, and the judgment we deserved, we praise you for bearing what we could never bear, to win for us what we could never earn, the gift of everlasting life. Oh, how we adore you for giving us a gift so priceless, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.